All right, welcome to Now This Is Podcasting. I'm Connor, and I'm here as always with Calvin. Hello. And we have Katya with us again. Hello. And we're talking about men. This just came out. Uh, this is an educational film about the beauty of childbirth. <laughs> 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 and it features an amazing cast. Uh, we have Rory Kinnear, uh, Jessica Buckley, Rory Kinnear, <laughs> pa- Papa Asidu, uh Rory Kinnear, <laughs> Gayla Rankin, and Rory Kinnear. Also, big shout out to Laura's Horror Sounds. Uh, that's where we got the music for this. We just found her page on YouTube and it was like, hey, you're welcome to use this. Just make sure you credit me. So we're going to credit her uh, just in podcast, and then we'll also put a link to her video and uh, the uh, the song that we ended up using in this review. So thanks again to uh, Laura's Horror Sounds. So uh, this was one, this is an A24 film that we saw the trailer for, and obviously we're, we're interested. I think, what, what movie did, I can't remember what movie we were in when we saw it, but it was like, it, it really grabbed us. It looks like this really creepy kind of thriller horror, and I think it definitely captures it that. Definitely delivered. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this was uh, directed by Alex uh, Alexander Garland. Um, he did Ex Machina in 2015 and Annihilation in 2018. Annihilation is like one of my favorites. I know Calvin doesn't love it. But uh, I, I really like this director a lot. He also wrote this and he wrote uh, Ex Machina and Annihilation. So he's like totally involved in this. I'm not sure if this is the right budget because it was really hard to look up anything for this. Because if you type in men... It brings up a lot of different results. So. It's impossible to, to <laughs> yeah. find any credible source or anything on subject. I know. I typed in men budget and it was like, how to budget men for outfits and stuff. I was like, <laughs> yeah. oh God. <laughs> and it was like X-Men franchise. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of that. Uh, so the budget I found was 15 million, which it has like a pretty substantial visual effects shot at the end. There's a lot of visual like, effects I mean, yeah. actually. Even like the dandelion, well, that was visual effects. Oh, right. Right. Uh, so yeah. So a $15 million budget on this seems like kind of more modest than what I was expecting. And uh, it's only an hour and 40 minutes. All of his movies have been around an hour 40, uh, which is good because I, I don't think this movie could have gone on much longer for me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got, we'll, we'll talk more about kind of the pacing and the setup and some of the aesthetic and why I think it feeds into why I thought part of this movie was a little boring. Uh, but yeah, we can get more into that. Uh, Katia, what was your first impression of this film? Mm, my first impression. Is it too early to talk about vaginas? <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is a, a spoiler review. There's no way to talk about this movie without spoiling it. So whenever you want to talk about vaginas, go for it. I th- think that's all I needed to say. <laughs> right. I love that just some studio executive had to read the screenplay for this to greenlight it, right? Oh, yeah. And there there has to be like some storyboarding done and explaining like, this is how I want my climax to be. <laughs> and some studio executive had to like, okay, the budget for a movie that has like, like four or CGI vaginas at the end. I think it's great. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and no boobs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no boobs. But, but but that's also what's so crazy. Like the I I don't know if I've ever seen uh, a vagina um, on screen that isn't foreign because that's an instant NC seventeen. Right. Um. So I guess that's how they got around this because well, it's it's on a dude's back. Well, <laughs> yeah. It's not, it's not like a real <laughs> vagina, but we're gonna give it all of the parts. Yeah. Yeah. So, I was, it was part of the movie I wasn't expecting, for sure. Oh, no. I was yeah. sure after the first one, I certainly wasn't expecting more, and then just kept going. Yeah, we'll get into why, yeah. I guess. <laughs> so, yeah, but aside from that, because that's what you leave the theater with, it's just that fresh in your mind. For the most of the movie, I thought it was going to maybe be kind of this beautiful tragedy of grief and trauma and coming to terms with it and maybe getting to a resolution but um i didn't really feel much resolution i didn't feel much climax and so (laughs) (laughs) 
Because it wasn't for you. <laughs> it wasn't for me. Like, yeah, who was it? Who was it for? Like, the the female character wasn't super interesting, but I loved the visuals. I felt very calm watching all the nature shots as they went, and then I felt very uprooted at the end and uh, a little lost. That's my that's my take. All right, uh, Calvin, what do you think of this? Yeah, I would I would describe this film's style as the beating of a dead horse that's been birthed by four other dead horses. <laughs> okay. And are all men. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. I, I, it's just like, eventually like how, how you set everything up in this, this air of mystery and uh, symbolic and thematic nature. Like this is, it sounds, it felt, it felt like finally Alex Garland was going to make like an intelligent film. And <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, that hurts me. <laughs> Cause I love his other two movies. The thing is, is like, he is just given over to the sensationalism of subtlety. Um, he has all of these little clues and things that, that smart directors can put in their, their movies and be like, that's the point. Um, but I can also say other things, but he's also like, guess what? That mm-hmm. thing you saw, it was the point. Yeah. And I'm going to say it about three more times. It was the point. I don't know if you missed that. We're going to do one more birth shot to make sure you understand that that's the point. I certainly agree with that. <laughs> I think, uh, um, his other two films kind of have a similar sort of problem where it feels like the end just kind of keeps going. Mm-hmm. Like, while well, I said, I, I really like Annihilation, but there's that scene with Natalie Portman kind of squaring off with her doppelganger at the end. Yeah. And it, it kind of just goes on for too long. It's like, yeah. we've already got the point, just kind of move the scene along. So his films kind of struggle with that. I, I mean, it, it, if you see that as a negative, I thought they kind of worked in his movies. I do think this one is a little gratuitous ending. Mm-hmm. But uh, before we get more to the ending... A brief synopsis on this film. It's a woman enjoys tea while struggling to play piano and has an unexpected guest. <laughs> yeah. Is <laughs> the bare bones kind of synopsis of this. Uh, yeah. So this woman goes to the countryside dealing with the uh, the death of her ex-husband. Well, I guess I suppose she's widowed, yeah, not really an ex-husband. Her but, almost, her near ex-husband. Yeah. You get some more information on that. And, and the way the trailer set it up, I sort of, it sort of seemed more like a, like a tragedy, like, Mm-hmm. or maybe a murder mystery like you don't know how the husband or a died. dream yeah yeah because that was what was what was interesting about him following the, and them looking at each other i think it makes sense the way that she describes it as not necessarily being a suicide because if he's trying to climb down right then he would be turned that way yeah so i just thought i, I was surprised to find out that they their marriage had had been struggling and she was going to get a divorce i thought them this is like one of the first times the trailer didn't like ruin the movie for me i think Mm-hmm. Uh, first yeah. time in a long time where it's like I was suspecting like oh is she going away to this cottage to get away because she's tired of police investigations and and not knowing the truth about what happened to her husband and it turns out to be uh, a bit explicit on like kind of what happened or at least the moments leading up to his death but yeah so she escapes to this cottage and then over time she runs into a uh, uh, Rory Kinnear's character and his other character and his other character and just more creepy things keep building up and uh, yeah so that's kind of the a, a brief overview of what this film is yeah and speaking of the trailer i think this is the first time that an a24 film undersold what we were gonna get <laughs> yeah. yeah i thought it was gonna be some sort of mystery little red riding hood pan's labyrinth countryside yeah psychological definitely yeah or like no point at all it was and much it, like yeah. <laughs> and this last week uh, i i've been like every time i go like look something up on youtube i'm like blasted with a, a men trailer this oh, had really? yeah this had trailers everywhere i thought uh i was which surprised me because we saw um everything everywhere all at once and that didn't seem to have a lot of 
like really? build up to it. I had bl- I was blasted See, with okay. trends. Then I wonder what <laughs> maybe my algorithm is just different than yours. <laughs> maybe I have Asian ancestry. And I'm on some list somewhere. <laughs> but I feel like I didn't so? know a ton about that movie. But I feel like I definitely knew this was coming out. I, it it felt like it was ramped up a lot more than other A24. Like uh, Green Knight, I didn't see. I, I didn't think got a lot of trailers. Yeah, and I have a hard time knowing for sure because I live in kind of a a, a social media bubble. Um, so all I really see are like ads for whatever last thing I clicked on, which happens to be switch sports. So <laughs> you brought this up, I think last time yeah. we recorded, <laughs> it's still going on. Like I st- like I already bought it. This worked already. I don't need to <laughs> give me the DLC and maybe then yeah, right. I'll stop seeing these. I still get ads for pure flicks from the time that my roommate kept talking about Christian Netflix. <laughs> I still get pure flicks. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. You should apparently. <laughs> it creeped me out one time. I was working with Jaden and I was just saying like, Oh, I think I'm going to get an Instapot. Like my, my sister-in-law has one. They love it. And I kid you not, like the next day I like looked up Amazon and it, it was like an ad for Instapot. Mm-hmm. And I was like, dude, that creeps me out so much. Like now I don't want it. And then I bought one. So. <laughs> And it's great. I love it. And it works. <laughs> this is creepy, but I see why they yeah. do it. Uh, so I kind of want to move into like some of the aesthetic and the pacing. Uh, you guys text me because we actually, we didn't see this together. We've gone, mostly see most of these in the theater together. Uh, I had a little things come up. And so I saw it earlier today and you guys were texting me last night after you had seen it. You're like, it's lovely. <laughs> And you meant in terms of like kind of like shot selection and aesthetic uh, for what I would say for like two thirds of this movie is like really just it's a lot of like I, I describe them as like ambient shots, like just shots of the woods, you know, droplets trickling into a puddle, uh, you know, uh, uh, dandelion seeds blowing off in the wind. Oh. And it's like this, this like set up montage. And he's done that in all of his movies. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, it's I just think for me, the problem was the subject matter is not interesting in Ex Machina. You get this like really slick modern building in the middle of the woods. Uh, but having those two things contrast each other just like inherently makes the shot more interesting. And I think they kind of stand alone a lot better in Annihilation. You have kind of nature creeping up on modern buildings and you have really weird uh, sci-fi fantastic elements that like crystalline trees and stuff. And the shots just seem in those montages to stand on their own better. Where in this, it's just like, it's the woods. I get it. I feel like you could scroll through Instagram and see the same photos taken with an iphone with like the same composition so maybe huh. it's just a personal problem but i felt like it was a little <laughs> gratuitous pro- it's one of your many personal <laughs> problems <laughs> i just thought shots of the woods were a little too gratuitous and they didn't seem to add anything or do anything so yeah that would be my main pro- premise is why is it a personal problem um, <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna find out i'm gonna find out like tomorrow like everyone loved it <laughs> Um, but yeah, I disagree. I think that those things are interesting in terms of um, photography only. I, the the actual subject matter of them, I don't think is is inherently interesting as it relates to symbolic and them- thematic uh, ideas of the central film. Whereas here, it is it's such a big deal. Like you're getting into the countryside, you're away from everything. Mm-hmm. It's it's new life, it's rebirth, which is all kind of wrapped up into the green man um symbol, which is what that that mask thing is on the podium. Oh, I thought it was the green knight this whole time. I was like when is the green knight going to show up? He's yeah, actually yeah. a uh, uh an iteration of the green man. 
Really? Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. They, 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 I mean, not necessarily. The Green Man is just like this big primordial image that literally doesn't mean anything anymore because it is so borrowed and traded that they, they think it's from like second century, like Asia. The, the Green Man is so old that it really doesn't mean anything. So it's just taken to be like yeah. uh, fertility, virility. Um, Life. It's always men. Um, so, Guardian. Yeah. Well, and I think the best depiction of it is Charlie Day from It's Always Sunny when he is dressed <laughs> as the green man. <laughs> I think that's the most accurate representation we've gotten of that. That's, yeah, that's, that's going to be studied by archaeologists. <laughs> yeah, you've got to think though, right? Like, <laughs> Oh, yeah, for sure. But I think that's, and that's why all of these things work together is because, um, like, even the dandelions and the seeds, like, that is also... Um, an idea of men spreading their seed and and the apples and, and virility. And it was like, oh, it could go on about all of the pretensions uh, behind it, which, you know, I mean, Alex Garland certainly loves and he's not subtle about them. But that's what I love about the first half of this movie or first third, if you really think about it. like everything in the countryside is setting up, subtly setting up a, a, a place away from men, away from other people mm-hmm. so that she can work on herself. She, she can grow and she can regrow. Um Mm-hmm. But the idea of like the the dandelion seeds getting in the way, yeah, like, they get in the her. way. So that's why I, I I would call it lovely is because I think that if you look at it as an abuse, as someone trying to recover from an abusive relationship, it's it's yeah. all things symbolic and beautiful and wonderful, and it contrasts so well with all of the gratuitous, mm-hmm. unnecessary gore. With the, at the end of the movie? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how I feel about yeah. it because cause he does the same thing in Annihilation. There's like really weird body horror in it. There's like a man splattered, his skeleton's like splattered in a pool and mm-hmm. it's like growing barnacles and stuff mm-hmm. out of it. Like there's, but I like, I think that shot's more interesting than, it's certainly more interesting than watching a man birth another man for it. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed the composition of that shot more and it was really eerie and creepy where this was just like, oh, it's still, we're still going. What about the dead the, deer though? Because you had like so much space and nature and then you had like this dead decomposing deer, which I guess could also be rebirth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, It was exactly. also kind of weird. Because it's like giving life to the maggots. Like, yeah. yeah, and the forest floor and it zoomed into its eyeball like it was another vagina. I think that was the first <laughs> sure that vagina. Was the, yeah, well, no, we absolutely. Yeah. Like that's that's another thing, like the tunnel, you know, being. That's uh, more what I thought it was. His, the, yeah. But I guess, yeah, those all. It feels like we talk a lot about objects and stuff, uh, things representing phalluses. Yeah. So this movie yeah. really turned that on its head. There weren't a lot of phalluses. Where, there was a knife. He talked about that. When I thought the key. I thought the key yep, was a phallus. The key is also oh. a phallus. Oh, that, don't worry. We're not going to get through a movie <laughs> oh, without a phallus. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when it's written and directed by a man. There's phalluses everywhere. Yeah. Even though we're talking about slits and like openings and like doors and like caves. And yeah, stuff. caves. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's plenty of vaginas because phalluses are concerned with vaginas. For Wait, sure. Did she ever take a bath? Yeah. She did? Yeah, yeah, she gets on the phone with her friend. Oh, yeah. Or she okay. texts her friend. No, it's when she zooms in on the yeah, photo. Of, that's when she sees him naked, the naked in the man. bath. Okay, cool. Sorry. <laughs> Brain uh, fart. I was like, why wouldn't she take a bath? <laughs> no, I, I, I guess the way you guys are explaining it makes me think the montages matter a little more. But it's I, just, I, I just found them wholly uninteresting in like what we're looking at. I was just like, it just felt like he's yeah. done better stuff in his other movies where, I don't know. And that's why I loved it. It was because it was it was uh, like finally he's not being so sensational. He's being very subtle. It's very simple. These are super saturated mm-hmm. uh, um, 
images of of the fields of the trees there's all of this just wonderful it's like i was just thinking about how like yeah we go outside and we have like brown grass like, <laughs> you know we have conifers and stuff but everything around them is just dirt yeah. so like it's yeah. cool to see like moss the idea of moss is cool <laughs> oh, <laughs> when, yeah. I think, when you live in the desert yeah i loved it because it was like oh there's england it's so wet and fresh there's so much and then it's like showing all this space and for me like yeah that was some of the like I don't know, most saturated, high-definition stuff I've seen oh, yeah, on I a think theater that, screen. The, the so. greens turned up to 11. Yeah, I was like, oh, that's yeah. cool. And sometimes it would zoom in on different spots. Like, you were outside, and you'd look at one flower and then another flower. And I was like, oh, am I doing that? Or is the camera just, yeah, you yeah. know, focusing on different flowers or whatever? So, But I do know yeah. what you mean. It certainly went on longer than I would have expected. Certainly how he's paced his other films, it went on longer than expected. Because if you think of, like the first thirds of those like annihilation um spend a lot of time building up their team yeah and like yeah. setting the stage for their characters and there's just nothing interesting to see there um so that's part of it um but it's all uh building up the relationships which is a little bit more interesting and same thing with uh ex machina there's like a lot of visions or like images of the of the compound and everything but there's a lot of voiceover um, and I think that carries through your interest. Whereas here we just, we just get to see things, Yeah, which is why I thought he put it all together. Yeah. I guess it's just like a personal preference thing because I, I like, maybe I apparently like the over the top cause I don't even think it's that over the top. I just think it's like interesting filmmaking and this, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, like I said, just compared to his other movies, I was like, Oh, he took a step back and you made a more boring movie. I wrote, I was like, I thought the two first two thirds of this movie were actually kind of boring. Mm-hmm. And I think there I are there are like interesting set pieces that take place in each act. But as a whole, I was kind of like, okay, I'm ready for the movie to start now. And that that was sort of my problem again with the with the sort of montages. But I want to know now, what do you guys think of the score? I I love his movies. Always seem to have a really unique sound to them. Uh, they don't. They they certainly don't go off of like you know Marvel movie epic thing. They're not. Uh, they're not orchestral. You know, it doesn't follow any, like, convention. It always seems like they have a really unique sound, and I wanted to know what you guys think of that. Yeah. Yeah, I dug it. Seems super tribal. I like all the tribal kind of... Very folky. Yeah, folky drums. I loved how loud some things were and her screaming and everything. So I yeah. I really liked some of those parts. There's a, a great part when she's in the church screaming, and, like, whatever note is being played along mm-hmm. with the score is, like, it's, yeah. like, the same note along with it, and it just, like, yeah. really amps it up. I, I like that part a lot. I like how it, it seems to rely on voices a lot. You have, like, choirs. Like you said, like, tribal. There's chanting. It sounds like maybe there's, like, some throat music, or at the very end, I think it's, like, kind of where the score, like, really hits its high point. It's this weird kind of reverberating human sound, and it... it through the speakers, it moves from like right to left and left to right. Mm-hmm. And it, it kind of, mm. it, it was like off kilter as the scene is. And so I like how the sound seemed to match all it really well. And again, it was just a really unique sound because uh, I, I thought Ex Machina and especially Annihilation had like really unique scores to them. So I was glad he kept like that, uh, that part of his filmmaking in it because it, it all tied in really well. Yeah. And we've talked before about like Johan Johansson and um, oh, who else? 
uh, I can't, I'm drawing a blank now, but that idea of a uh, holy minimalism, right. Um, that's used for like a lot the of opposite those... of Hans Zimmer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I mean, it's still like, uh, like Johan if... Johansson did arrival, right? Yeah, he did. Yeah. It did arrival. So if you've seen arrival, that that's the type of thing I'm talking about. They can be big and they can be bombastic, but they also have these, um, these valleys of emptiness. Yeah. And that's really the minimalism here is it's, it's not used very often. It feels like for these more intimate settings, but I think it works better for movies like this because there, it just it creates a, a sound of nuance around um, something that we just don't under, we don't know what's going on, and it's perfect for that uh, that environment. So I love how we mixed like a lot of like what felt like a lot of Celtic uh, imagery and and things. Uh, you know, maybe that's just you know my 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 dumb Yankee brain yeah. over here, like not <laughs> understanding like um, uh, English countryside and English churches. But I feel like that's there's a lot of Catholic inspired imagery. Oh, for maybe sure. that's you know pro- Protestantism um, as well. That's just left over, and but they but old Catholicism and old Protestantism. You know, they're not like our old church annex basement. Um, oh God! Yeah, <laughs> where we have you know the uh, the heaters on the side of the walls, and maybe we have a couple windows. Like those are our churches. Um, so they those all look the same to us. So how we, they took that I, the kind of chamber music that comes out of uh, church music as well, and then put that into the score. It's just it's just wonderful. Yeah, and it makes it hard to tell. Like when she was in the in the church, I remember being in multiple churches, like in England and Europe, when all of a sudden music just starts playing and there's someone up, like there's just a choir yeah. playing or there's someone that jumps on the organ and they're playing. Like it's just that time of day when it's time to play music. It's time to <laughs> they just, remember the God. People in the town, they're like, all right, boys, it's time to do church yeah. music. <laughs> like a lot of times, <laughs> time you know. Time to remember God. That's yeah, great. Yeah, <laughs> time to remember him. Yeah, time to remember God. And a lot of times, you know, people would be in there, you know, hanging out and listening. But sometimes in smaller churches, there wasn't anyone in there. Right. I liked, uh, I, I think probably, one of my favorite parts is the reusing of her like echoing mm-hmm. like that, just her own sounds. It appears later on as like non-diegetic sound. It's just kind of over, uh, you know, again, this kind of montage of shots of fields yeah. and forests and stuff. So I liked how that got re-added in. You mean the symbol is the symbol of the echo? Yeah. Is that what you want to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. But I, I also wish that they would have, they should have used, or not should have, I would have liked to add more sounds that we had heard earlier in the film reintroduced into the score. So I thought maybe the part of the, the piano playing that she messed up mm. at the beginning of that and then add more wonky piano playing after that. Mm-hmm. Cause it's like, it just felt like it, it made it more personal. It made it more about this character, which I think part of our problem is the movie doesn't really seem to be about the main character in it. Not really. Yeah. Yeah. She's really more of an archetype. Another sound that they could have uh, brought into would be uh, um, when a FaceTime call gets connected. That, cool <laughs> kind of sound. that would have been fun to play around with too cool. i mean when you're a student on a budget you have to think about things <laughs> <Yeah>. like that <laughs> call my phone do, 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 do. <laughs> <laughs> all right now i'm gonna play with that and that is my score right. <laughs> exactly just keep calling my phone <laughs> that's how i felt uh we're all going to the world's where world's fair was mm-hmm. i mean because you hear the skype sound and the, the her ringtones yeah. and stuff go off they felt like they were i mean not necessarily a score but they all were like sounds that like helped push the story along so i i, I kind of like the idea of that so let's let's get into like now like what makes this movie weird you know i think there's a lot of stuff that we can talk about like why this movie ha- is open to interpretations like i saw like um article headlines like this is a movie with a lot of questions and no answers um so let's start with like with jeffrey because obviously there's 
multiple interpretations you can come away with what Jeffrey is, what Jeffrey does, what Jeffrey means. Um, but from a physical uh, sense, was Jeffrey a real person at any point for you in this movie? Or was he always this creature? So I think he's real in the sense that Harper drives to a place in the country. She meets a landlord who's like kind of a bit of a character, like she says. A little awkward. Then he goes home and then it's fine. Beyond that, I don't think he... Maybe he's the only one who actually looks like Rory Kinnear. Maybe. But beyond that, I don't think anyone is like especially real in this movie. I think this movie is almost all psychological. Because if it's like... If it's a real creature or some kind of demon or something like that, then she would notice over time that, okay, everyone looks like the same person in this town. Like that would that would become obvious if that was the point of this movie, and that's why I don't think it's the, I don't think it's I don't think it's that it's all the same guy or everyone looks the same. I think it's this projection that she has of men now and how she views them as like they're they're all manipulative, they're all gonna blame her, like they are all the victim and they're all predators. And uh, Jeffrey just is also a, a just another man that she views that way. Mm. Yeah, I yeah I thought he was real. I thought the first person she met was real, and it took me a while to figure out. Like I, I saw the CGI boy's face. I was like, well, that's very strange, <laughs> and I don't understand why it's like that. But um, it did take me until like the bar scene where I'm like, oh, they really do all look really weirdly alike, and I was just like, how, like how do they find all these people that look <laughs> so similar? Because <laughs> they were like slightly enough different right like, right I was like maybe they're not the same exact you're person. experiencing movie magic you yeah know? Like, i had <laughs> so much movie magic in this movie good grief yeah it's octomom <laughs> kids all grown up oh my god <laughs> well and that's kind of one thing i wish would have been hidden from the trailer because i mean maybe i watched a different one than you maybe a mm. more extended one but they show like the bar scene and they show the policeman mm. and they show the the naked man the green man and they all have Rory Kinnear's face. Yeah, so. I didn't see that. I remember just seeing like the, the tunnel, tunnel one. And the echo. I wish I would have yeah. just seen that trailer. But yeah, again, I just got like, blasted with trailers. Oh, I guess we saw the vicar though. So yeah, I guess I would kind of agree with Connor. Like I think she saw him and then that just kind of got projected on these peop- all these people. Like she's she's had this. She's also fresh out of this super traumatic experience where she feels so much guilt. There There also might just be this sense of, well, I'm not really going to identify anybody in particular in this village because, like, that's not what I'm here for. I'm not here to interact with them. They just keep kind of pushing into into her way. Mm-hmm. So there's no really reason for her to have them be different people. For her, they're all the same. They all happen to be this creepy guy who is all these things. He's this weird old landlord. He's this mentally unstable little boy. He's this super sexual vicar this like kind of macho policeman and yeah. a seemingly nice bartender yeah yeah <laughs> he's kind of the only one i'm like he, he basically just mumbles all of his lines or like the guys like, yeah. oh, he's yeah. like no i insist i'll pay for it and he's like whatever man like, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but like there's also those guys in the background that just like got in a fight or something those i didn't get those people well i think they just look to be i mean they look to be like glaring at her and like i yeah, don't know i think the menacing i think the implication is like some like sexualizing her in their head they're like oh yeah. man, i'd like a piece of that or something like that mm-hmm. they're very yeah they're very menacing in the way they look and i think that you can tell there's some malintent there and i think that's just the whole point is that's how she views all men now like mm-hmm. they, they they're all out to get her in some way because she came from this really traumatic relationship with her uh her husband yeah. earlier and it's interesting because she never like like what a great again like england what a great place to set like 
a horror film because everyone's just cozy. Like she's got her cozy sweaters. She's never like overtly like unclothed or suggestive at all. No. She's just this like kind of regular middle-aged woman in her dress that she wears every day and her hiking boots. Which everyone knows. That's how a good horror story starts. Regular <laughs> lady in modest clothing. <laughs> yeah. So. Sure, she'll live to the end. Yes. <laughs> she, she, I think she did. Yeah. But I think that, yeah, I think that my, when I first watched it, I thought that he was all the same. I think it was a creature the whole time. Um, be, and I don't think that he was real at all because it was just building up all of these things of like the pub is over there. Um, he he knew like that um, she was at the church, mm. um, uh, the, suggesting there that like if if Jeffrey was a real person, like he would have been continued until he got back to the house at the end of the movie, right? So that second time where he's at the bar, I think that um, you could say that that was also the real Jeffrey. Um, and everybody else just looks like him. Um, but I, yeah, I think, I think everything was that what there was connected because it was just this, this idea of, uh, the green man and it was a, a part of her journey. So you think that she like went into this green man bubble and like this demon had control over her reality? Yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't even know if it was a demon. I think that there's a, there, team, yeah. there's some, there's a, some They prefer the term entity. Entity? <laughs> 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 Uh-uh. Um, but I think there's some seeming malcontent, but it seems like the um, the green man, like when he is like, uh, as he's like covered himself in cuts and foliage, he's some sort of like kind of benevolent spirit that wants to guide her on some sort of awakening. Um, like when he, uh, when Jeffrey disappears on the lawn and reappears and he's there and he blows the dandelions in her face and you know, impregnates her with the uh, dandelion spore. She just goes back inside and, clo- and closes like the door. She's like super acceptance at that yeah. point. And then, yeah. So I I think that the, the entire thing was just uh, just the one creature. So, but follow-up question then. Would it have been better, you know, it, wonderful performance all around by Rory <laughs> Kinnear. Would it have been better if they were all played by different people, though? <laughs> That's not the point of the movie, Calvin. <laughs> and that's why that's why I just keep going back to like, is she must just view all men the same now? Like it doesn't matter if you're, uh, it doesn't matter if you're a priest, it doesn't matter if you're a bartender, it doesn't matter if you're the landlord, it doesn't matter if you're a kid. I mean, yeah, I'm sure in her head she's. I I thought the point of having the kid there and having the same face was like this kid is going to grow up to hurt women and and make all of his problems that he has, you know, uh, blame a woman for that. I thought that was kind of. Otherwise, I don't know what the point is of having them all be Rory Kinnear. Yeah. You know, no one actually, I guess they freaked her out, but no one actually ever hurt her. Like there was a point where you're like, no one's going to hurt her. Which you is kind I of mean? why I agree with Calvin where being, I, I like that you said like this benevolent entity where it's just like, it's guiding her on a journey in the creepiest way it possibly can. It's yeah. it's forcing her to look at the dark parts of her mind. Yeah. Like this is all psychological expression and it's all this amalgam of uh primordial images of of man and of her concept and her concept of what man is. And that's what it's forcing her to look at. But I think that there are there are better ways to 
and this is why 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 I say like at the beginning like it's beating a a dead horse that's birthed by four other <laughs> dead horses like when you make it the same guy you're continuing the same metaphor throughout the entire movie you don't need anything else on top of it so really if if you wanted to make a more subtle movie you cast all of those people all of those characters as different people and you and yeah. you tie them together like with the fingernails with with the cuts right, right. there yeah. are other visual ways to represent that this is the same thing mm-hmm. moving around and it's not like literally like oh look that's that dude's definitely the same, definitely the same. Because oh, it's yeah. also something that would get spoiled in credits. You wouldn't even be able to to hide it because it would just be obvious because that's how the credits are. That's yeah. why I had no idea why they made any effort to do the nail or the cuts and stuff because you, yeah. you already knew they were the same person. So I was really, it seemed, yeah, super overkill. Unless there was some hidden meaning. I don't think this movie is very <laughs> hidden. In there, we'll, we'll get to the birthing scene. I think I've come up with something to to save this you're welcome alex <laughs> yeah my yeah Shut i I, I i know yeah i i'm i'm pumping my my own self up and it's just i think that like there's a i think there's a smart way to say everything that he's doing and it's the mo- the least obvious thing in his entire movie which yeah. is the problem i don't know to me it's still I, I think it works your way where it's like some kind of entity and i think it also works if it's just all in her head and like mm-hmm. this is just her vision of men now and i think the movie the ending, which we'll get to, is like her way of working through it, whether it's a spirit that's helping her or an entity that's helping her with it, or if it's her own uh, like fortitude in overcoming it herself, like uh, mentally. I think it works either way. Yeah. But it certainly makes it for a, a good movie to talk about because it is. It's like mm-hmm. it's not explained why they all look the same. And the fact that she totally ignores why they all look the same keeps you wondering, like, OK, well, what's really going on here? Yeah. And I think that if you wanted to say that Jeffrey was a real person the whole time, the moment that the creature is awakened is in the tunnel. And that thing, um, because, you know, tunnels are, you know, a Freudian, Jungian symbol yes. of, of uh, do, vaginas do and birth. Button? And like, yeah, we're gonna, yeah. I mean, like, we, I feel like we've been on the Jung train this whole time. <laughs> I don't know how you can talk about knives and slits and... <laughs> not be talking about, not talking about Jung. Carl Jung yeah but so I think that like that was something that was <laughs> but I think that was something that was literally birthed out of her mind when she went into the tunnel which is why it mm-hmm. echoes in such an such a weird way because it's all going on inside of her mind and it's just a representation of her mental landscape so that thing then follows her home because it knows where she is because it is her mm-hmm. that's that's the whole point is it's a it's a it's a mental projection of what's um tied up inside of her mind and she has these weird ideas of men now because she's just so hurt and broken right mm-hmm. no I, I agree with that that's a good question because I, yeah. I think it kind of wraps up or talks about the themes of the movie like what are we even watching you know mm-hmm. yeah but also why was like who was the guy at the end of the tunnel then because he had clothes on yeah the guy in the tunnel is not the naked man unless the naked man he could always take his clothes off i suppose but yeah like yeah yeah that's the thing it's like i think that's it's just so up to interpretation and she might just be envisioning um you know a guy with clothes because that's terrifying someone fully clothed running running at you and then there's a different (laughs) yeah (laughs) but there's a there's a different type of terror when there's just a naked man standing there stalking you right and i think that's it's the juxtaposition of what different threat each of those uh those bodies pose Right. Yeah, I think that is interesting. There's like a lot of different threat levels throughout this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Like the vicar with his, like the most uncomfortable parts are like the guy when he puts his hand on his, her knee. Like that was really uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Like more so than him just 
full on, you know, manhandling her more so I think than just seeing the naked guy in the woods. But once they get closer and like, it's just interesting to see where, okay, which things make me the most uncomfortable? Mm -hmm. Like, is it the policeman ignoring you? Is it the naked guy just kind of curiously hanging out in your garden? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Is it, is it Jeffrey being like, um, when did you lose your virginity? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I didn't lose it. (laughs) Okay. So I'm glad that you brought up that the scene with the priest, was it vicar? Vicar. Is that just mean priest? I sorry, I didn't yeah, research he's that. He's a religious we... man. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, where he kind of like, yeah, yes, when she lost virginity, and he, it, it again becomes this, this scene about sexualizing yeah. her, and he's blaming her for having these feelings, mm-hmm. and and that's why I think this whole movie just all circles back to this trauma that she had with her her former husband, where he's blaming her for everything. He's the victim in every situation. Like he's going to kill himself because she wants a divorce, and he wants to hang all this guilt and all this pressure on her. So I, that's why, again, I just think all the movie ties back into that. And that's why the movie isn't really about her, because it's all about all the crappy things that men do. Yeah. And I think that's yeah. perfectly uh, exemplified by the idea of her eating uh, an apple from the tree, just like um, Eve of Adam and Eve fame. Um. <laughs> <laughs> that Eve, not of like, <laughs> not the other one. Yes, the right. Book of Genesis, authored by Moses. Yes. Yeah, that exactly. <laughs> but it, but it's it's uh, it's a character that has been, I mean, over over the centuries, been used by certain uh, religious sects as as blaming win, uh, women for allowing sin into the world. It's the same idea as Pandora's box. Like women are the um, the conduit that evil and sin enter into the world, and they've done this to us. Even though like Adam didn't need to eat the apple, he was given it to him by Eve, but somehow he's less responsible because because he she, wasn't first I yes guess. yeah exactly yeah so that's so there was there was there was some subtlety there and then uh jeffrey was like oh mustn't do that in forbidden fruit and all and it makes a silly joke and so like we know it's very obvious like okay that's what the point of this movie is and then they just keep hammering it home on top of that so yeah i i agree like that's that's definitely what's going on it's just different iterations it's the it's the boy you know, calling her a bitch because he won't play with him. Yeah. Uh, um. You know, the vicar who's has who has all of these sexual thoughts. Um, She's singing to him. Well, yeah. And then earlier yeah. he blames he blames her too. He's like, "What did you do to drive him to that? Yeah, like, like you, it's it's her yeah. fault. You know, did you let him say sorry? Did yeah. you let him apologize? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. The story of our again. The, the bartender's the only one who isn't <laughs> blaming her for anything. Yeah. And everyone else is either following her, or running at her, or giving her really weird looks. He's yeah. never like oh, weird looks. Wait, I read that. I read a line that was like, "For now, like they did, like who? What is this movie is about? Like we're not sure. We're not sure what it's about. But for now, it is striking because it shows audience a basic fear: men making weird faces. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good way to capture the essence of the movie. Yeah, it's yeah. very weird. Yeah, and I yeah definitely. So I want to move into the the birds. Which is, I feel like that's what this movie is going to get talked about, which is kind of why we want to save it for the end. So hopefully you stayed on board for our more boring conversation about aesthetic and pacing. And now we're going to get to the birthing. Uh, the explained part. Yes. So what, a, <laughs> what a, Calvin, what's your theory on what does the birthing mean? Okay. So yeah, like I say explained, but this is really mansplaining here. <laughs> yes. Um, I, I guess we should also mention the fact that like when she stabs him, this is a, it's a, an important uh, visual motif 
kind of it's it's one of the motifs that are important but there's so many of them that none of them are really all that important mm-hmm. it's just super gruesome but it's like yeah she stabs him because she is reacting to an advance out of uh what he's doing but he then pulls his arm back through the the letter opening and and you know cuts his arm in half it's, it's wild a, yeah it's he so has cool. weird hand. the green man yeah. yeah exactly it's so it's yeah. so cool to watch and um but like yeah i say like look you did this to me yeah i think that which is exactly how her husband was speared. Yeah, well. exactly. Yeah. yeah, when they showed the, it was like this, the yeah. longest pan down of his body. I was like, all this is going to mean something later. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah he was, was like, I was like, okay, maybe this is like uh, religious. Like, oh, look, like he, how he's uh, strung up, like he's crucified as if he was Jesus. I sort of like, thought that too. And, and there it... was going to be some more victim blaming. Like, yeah, you killed him. Just like the Jews, am I right? And like, <laughs> yeah. And of course, this would have Remember taken Remember women, very... that time you killed Jesus? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wait, Not you... only did you bring sin into this world, you had sex with Jesus. Sorry. <laughs> and then you killed, you murdered him. But I thought that was going to be what it was too. I was like, if you're showing all these wounds on this guy, it's got to, it's going to mean something later. That yeah. was pretty overt. Yeah. So I thought, yeah, the cutting of the hand, I was like, okay, maybe this ties it back into like some sort of Christ symbol or, or it is just James. And then when he walks into the garden again after crashing the car and his foot just randomly breaks, like, my God, man, you could just like, you couldn't figure out a way to organically work this in. I thought it was because he had been hit by the car. Yeah. And it just, too. his ankle finally gave out at that point. I yeah. don't think he was just walking and then it broke. Yeah, he yeah. got hit by a car, yeah, he Calvin. Get, <laughs> he didn't get hit by a car. Yeah, he did. Oh, yeah. I he goes yeah, like, he gets, like, yeah, he gets hit by the car, but like he seemed, What did they like, say? Ass over tea kettle? Is, is, <laughs> we're talking about the Brits here. Yeah, I don't know. I've never, I've never ass heard that. I've, I've heard people, I've heard people say that. But yeah, no, he gets, he gets a red. But there, but that again, it's just like it's it's sensationalism of the subtlety of what that uh, the bodily injury could have meant. But then the idea of of the births began, and I think it's interesting here that it's men birthing men specifically. So I would say that there are two interpretations of this that there it's a it's a primordial thing starting with something um with adam and eve down to the green man down to the boy down to the vicar down to the to jeffrey and gets passed on to her husband james as something that just exists innately in all men because of uh how God designed them. I think that's the way that you can you can look at that because you know they all that's why they all have the same wound after getting rebirthed every time they're still broken and hurt. I think the other way of of saying this though is that in a patriarchal system the only people hurting men are other men. Mm-hmm. So you're constantly passing down those negative and hurt traits onto your next generation. And they still hold all of these ideas like, oh, it's women. Women are the ones that are holding me down, keeping me back. When really it's just men telling you like, no, this is the way it is, man. Like, And that's why um, it's significant that it's men birthing men because it's these ideas and concepts that that get passed down as a as a social thing rather than existing innately so i think that's the that's the the dichotomy that the birthing works in is it's either something that we we pass down by our interactions with other people or it's just innate to all men okay no i get that what do you think about like the birthing like the birth hole (laughs) migrating from below the genitals to like the spine to like the mouth i don't know where the second one was though it was i think they're both yeah, the you first get two. The first two are out of. You get the, two uh, vaginal births normally yeah. if you can say that. <laughs> yeah, and then you get one shoulder blade birth. 
Yeah. And then one from the blowhole. I just thought it was like it didn't matter. It was just supposed to show that this is going to be reoccurring. It it doesn't matter where it's it's come from. And I think at that point, he was like, let's just make it as crazy as we can. Yeah. And then you have a mouth birth. Yeah. Yeah. He might have just been like, yeah, let's get get it. And we're like, feet first, right? Yeah. And that's like, yeah, that's... That's it. I think that that's that's at the point where the metaphor but, is like like let's just keep making it sensational. But also, yes. the only one born feet first was her husband. No, I actually that's where that's where my <laughs> like, theory comes from. Is is like why it changes? Birth. Yes. Yeah. Uh, before we go on, I do want to say I did a quick in podcast research. Ass over tea kettle comes from <laughs> Richard John's uh, Pageny Volume Three, released in 1932, and the line is. Well, you're lucky. If I was him, I would have fired you ass over tea kettle. Ah, oh, that's where it's from. Yes. (laughs) I didn't make it up. I knew I'd heard it. It's from 1938. (laughs) I really, you know, this really changes whether I think of you as a a source of information or not. (laughs) I'm just saying I didn't make it up. I knew I'd heard it. Ah, I I trust more what you say now. (laughs) Thank you. So my theory on uh, what the birthing means and why it's it's repeating the same person being birthed over and over again is like she's in this cycle where she views men the same way no matter what like they're all out to get her they're all out to make themselves the victim and they're all going to blame her for everything she feels guilty uh and the fact that it just keeps repeating to me because i also think this movie is like entirely psychological is this is a process happening in her mind and then when her husband is finally born she's finally confronted with him that's when she gets the chance to move on. It's like, mm-hmm. instead of making it, I'm mad at all men or I think all men are this way, she finally gets to the root of the problem and is like, well, the way I, the reason I view it this way is because of this initial trauma with my my former husband. Once that cycle stops and she's able to kind of, I think, get a grip on herself, like she gets the ax so she can feel like safe. And that's Which is, when- uh... A phallus. Oh. Yes, <laughs> of course. Uh, and that's when like kind of the whole mood of that, it becomes much less gruesome body horror. And it's just this kind of final confrontation that she has with her husband. Yeah. yeah. And so that's what I think it's about. It's, it's, it's her breaking away from this cycle she's been going through over and over in her head. It's, it's her confronting this guilt. It's her, it's her realizing that he wasn't the victim. It's her realizing that she's not responsible for this. And I don't, I think she feels guilty, and I, but I don't think she feels at fault, which I think the movie does a good job of portraying that she i don't think she goes through this movie like i drove him to kill himself she certainly doesn't especially with her interaction with the priest yeah but but that was my thought is it was just it was finally the breaking of this cycle and but they're not all the same person they're not all this trauma it's finally she can move on from that and realize like okay i i can move past this point in my life now that's why i thought it was interesting like the cycle finally changed and it was like the problem isn't all men the problem was this one man in her life and when she finally gets to uh go like toe-to-toe with that for a minute that's when like this character evolves and moves past it. Mm-hmm. Do you remember, was she wearing her necklace from the very beginning until the very end? It's really important to me. Oh boy. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> That's like a deep cut. When did she get it? I don't know. Cause like, I, I feel like I, I very clearly at one point was like, because with her getting her resolution with her husband, I'm like, did she like, what happened? Like what really happened there to make her, move on like nothing happened she just got bombarded over and over and over again and then was like numb and then like was like okay well i think the point was that because she asks what do you want from me yeah and then the point was it's not about her it's not about what he wanted from her it was just about like this person is just 
he, I hate to say, I'm going to say just he's toxic. <laughs> he's toxic. And we'll, we'll talk about toxic masculinity in a little bit, but. I already, yeah. I already, uh, you're no longer a trusted source of authority. <laughs> but I think that was the point is it, it wasn't about what he wanted from her. It was like he was always going to be this way or he had always been this way. And yeah. it was about her making that realization like, well, it's not about me. It's like I just need to move past this tough, terrible part of my life. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what I took from it. I'm trying to get it's, it. It's, I think it's hard to interpret Four male births in a movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and one, we're doing our best. One would have been challenging. <laughs> what, it's super tough. Yeah, and I'm just like, I wonder if her necklace means her gr- as a symbol of her grief. <laughs> I think there Are was you, a lot of grief and trauma. Like yeah. just yeah, like you said, there were so many symbols that you could pick on. So many, but none of them seemed like they meant that much. Okay, does this movie become better or worse if? Alexander Garland comes out and tells you what the meaning of the movie was, or at least what the birthing scene meant. Or is this movie stay better if you get to have your own interpretation, hear other people's interpretations, and kind of make this movie your own in some ways? Because I think there are movies where the director comes out and says, oh, no, this is what that scene meant, or this is what the ending meant. And then that's like canon now. And so you can never view that movie the same way. You're like, oh, well, all my cool ideas don't matter because the director or the writer said, this is how it is. Yeah. For me, it doesn't change necessarily how I view it. Um, You know, that, that can be intent. And then I judge how I receive it based on that intent. I think there's a little bit, I enjoy it a little bit more because then I can see like, okay, well, no, you just missed the mark. Like we've talked about Guillermo del Toro and um, uh, Pan's Labyrinth and how he thought that, you know, everything was real. Like I just, I, I totally disagree um, because that's not the movie he made. And it's fun to talk about because he's just very wrong about his own movie. Yeah. Um, but I don't think it changes. If anything, it would make this, it would make, it would help this make more sense. Everything else is so obvious until you get to that part and you're just like, my, or, okay, one birth. Okay. It's the same guy. Oh my God, there's going to be more. Aren't yeah. There? And then you're just like, you don't really understand why I'm like, I'm inventing all of those things. Are they all like, is it all bullshit? What I said quite possibly. Like I'm just, <laughs> yeah. I'm trying, I'm grasping at straws because nothing That's else, everything yeah. else about this was just, it was like you were hit over the head with a bat over and over. And the thing is, is once you get there, like, it should be super obvious then. And it's all about the process of getting to the super obvious thing. So you have this idea of healing and um, rebirth. And that's clear in like a lot of other things. And then you get to this and it's it's birth over and over. And it kind of turns the those images on its head. That idea of like if, if it's rebirth and it's new beginning for her, then what the hell is going on here? Um, I would... I wouldn't mind if he just came out and told us what it is because it would make it a little bit more accessible. And it's really more about the journey than it is about being confusing. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on that, Katya? Or Yeah, I'm bo- yeah I think I want to know. Because I, I, do, I do agree with you, Connor, in the sense that I really dislike when they're just like, well, we thought it looked so cool. Or like, I had a pony as a child. That's why there was a horse at the end that would 
really know? fucking piss me off. Yeah, like, if at the end he was like, I just wanted to make a gratuitous scene, I'd be like, fuck you. Or like, like you said, like sucks. we yeah. already generated this once. We might as well use it a couple more times. Yeah, we, like, we needed to fill the whole hour and 40 minutes. And so we thought, what better way? I don't think that's like a likely answer. I just hate it. It'd be like, but... well, the vaginal birth budget was already approved. <laughs> so we had to use it up. Otherwise, Vag- the comptroller the would reduce birth. our budget next time. I hate yeah. that. Yeah. So yeah, I think I want, I want to have at least some hints or as to what it might be like calvin said to, to know if to know if everything kind of clicks into place then uh, but i guess it depends because i'm also the person that likes just assuming whatever i want to about a movie and then i remember it that way forever and it becomes that for me however that i run into trouble because i do the same thing like with song lyrics and when i'm trying to connect with people later on they're just like that was not how the song went and that is not the same movie that we watched right right right. (laughs) and i think that's like it's one thing that we've talked about uh before wolf with uh jordan peele talking about get out and how the girl is uh eating the fruit loops yeah and i uh i don't think i've told you this before katya but someone asks um in in get out the girl is uh has a bowl of milk and or fruit loops and they're in two separate bowls and so she takes the them out and dips them in the milk if i remember right I think that's I think that's the case or either that or like she's just eating them dry and like drinking milk. It's one of those things. But someone was like uh, asked a question to Jordan Peele, uh, the director, and they were like, yeah, that's because, you know, she's keeping the colors separate from the whites. Right. And he was like, no, it's just because she's fucking weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then there you have on the opposite end of that you have or I think in, in the middle you have Robert Eggers who admits like I have a, I have an idea of how I want things to be but there's a certain amb- uh, level of ambiguity that I like to build into my films because it it's going to mean everything to everybody it can mean so many different things to the same person at different points in their life on different days even uh, or even different periods within a day so i think there's a there's an understanding that even if it's the way you design it it's not always going to be uh received that way so understanding all of its implications and just giving you like hints and clues about what you meant, I think is is more fun. And I think that that shows a level of intelligence that you don't see in a lot of directors. I don't find it in Alex Garland. <laughs> you hate this guy. I don't, I, hate, I don't hate him. I just like I don't like feeling like like I'm treating like a child, like by the director, like, oh, man, I you know you might be pretty stupid so I i'm gonna like make you sure make fun of like, me by proxy because i'm like oh i love this director <laughs> no but i mean like it's the same thing the like with <laughs> <laughs> but i love mother i love darren aronofsky there's nothing subtle about darren aronofsky yeah where do you draw the line what is i yeah i don't i don't <laughs> that... know why mother really works yeah. for me and why this this does i mean i don't like well Noah, and then that, so that like... surprises me too is like why do i find his other movies so interesting and then i watched mother and i was like i hate this i've come around to it more mm-hmm. but i was like it's so obvious but then all of his other like alexander garland's movies are pretty obvious so it's like why do i i don't know why i think it's all in visual style is why i find yeah. one more pleasing than the other yeah and this is exactly what we're talking about it's just the way certain um uh representations of art resonate with individuals right um and i just just alex's aren't there for me not your guy last question then what did she kill at the end oh wait when so when riley pulls up yeah and the fiesta is crashed yeah and the door is open and there's a trail of Mm -hmm. amniotic fluid but it could be blood (laughs) um it's implying that it's all real 
This so, is the yeah. trouble I had with, because my whole theory of it all just being in her head. Yeah. This is where it kind of falls apart. And I, and I, and it frustrated me because the movie just cuts to like, it looks like a title screen. Like it looks like the end credit scene. It just flashes men up on the screen. Mm-hmm. And I was like, cool, perfect end. Like my whole theory totally makes sense now. And then of course it continues on to the scene that you mentioned, which makes it all seem real. And I still think it functions either way. Mm-hmm. I think if you want it to all actually happen and some entity she interacted with caused all this and she actually went through this, I think it works that way. And I also think you could just feel like she had a, a mental breakdown and caused a mess in the house. I think that she was driving away mm-hmm. and she had this like realization and stopped and realized, oh, I can't, I can't drive away from this problem. I can't run away from this problem. I need to go back and like confront this, which leads to like the birthing scene and the ultimate like uh, confrontation with her former husband. Mm-hmm. So I think it works either way. It makes my idea not work as well. So it's unfortunate yeah. that I, I really I really hitch my wagon to that horse. And then the final scene of the movie kind of undoes a lot of that. Because, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. yeah, it could have been her own, just her own blood and her own, like, major freak out. Yeah. Could have exactly. been the deer. She could have killed that deer. Yeah, that could oh, that could be, I think. That's probably the deer from Annihilation, though. <laughs> well, well, it would have come back as some cool yeah. floral deer with, like, amazing vine antlers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Like, maybe that's the green man from yeah. the... It's all connected, man. Yeah. Annihilation, Ex Machina. He's going to be the next Quentin Tarantino that will be a little bit less smart than Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> but like, given which is like, like really saying something because Quentin Tarantino's movies aren't smart. No, they're just ve- they're very well executed, simple ideas. Yeah, I, th- I, yeah, I would never describe him as a, and this is not a knock, not a smart director. At least he's not. not he's okay. a clever director. That, that makes it not, sound like I'm saying yeah. he's not smart or yeah. he's dumb. Just that's not the kind of movie he's making. Mm-hmm. It's not a, a thinker. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, the most intriguing question anyone has about his movies is, what's in the briefcase? <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, exactly. And that he built a whole career on that. Right. That's <laughs> wild. Um, yeah. One other question then, does it matter or what is the significance of Riley being pregnant when she shows up? Dude, I wondered if that meant something. Yeah. But it was already at the end. And I, I felt like I had seen too much pregnancies already. That's when I was like. <laughs> so I was like, enough is enough. <laughs> okay. So that's when I was like, because we just watched a bunch of abortion stuff. That's when I was like, oh, this woman, Harper, is pregnant with her dead husband's baby and has realized. And like, I was like, oh, she, I bet she had an abortion. She got into a car crash to kill the baby. And then, Whoa, what and, the then fuck? Riley, wow. and then Riley shows up and you're like, oh, she has a baby because then Harper's like all like really happy and chill. I, I don't it, know. Like that's when I'm like, I I think it was just a. No, I think that that's I thought actually I had really, a weird take. But that I think was, it's actually <laughs> a really interesting take um, because it makes a lot of sense because there's the amniotic fluid. There's the idea of something being born into James again mm-hmm. um, why she feels OK now. And I think that's like it's all rolled up together um, into I think it works well with your idea, Connor, that it all being mental, which is why she's seeing Mm -hmm. this thing with this guilt and all of this pregnancy. It's all the things that are bubbling up inside of her and they just get formed up into the green man, which is feeding off of her and showing her this is what's going inside of your mind. Look at how gross it is. Deal with it. And so she chops his dick off and makes him choke on it. It's weird that they didn't show that. Right. Wait, did she do that? That's what Riley said. She was like, take oh, the yeah, axe behind Riley him, gonna do it, yeah. chop his dick off, make him choke on it. Yeah, it was also just interesting that Riley seemed like just this 
bad bitch and then she shows up and she's just this super super pregnant woman and i think maybe another just simple thing it just like changes how you feel about her like almost instantaneously yeah and how you feel about their relationship and where they're what's going to happen moving forward Mm. yeah i tried to ascribe some meaning to it but i was mostly just like well he's been repeating images a lot in this movie it's just it's just a repeat and you know yeah if that's all it is that's fine with me because but that threw me off at the end. I was like, yeah. are you kidding me? Like, Also, she yeah. was like super pregnant. Yeah. She, yeah. <laughs> I should stay down. Yeah, she was about ready to pop right <laughs> yeah. there in the garden to yeah. continue the motif. Well, so, but then that, that can, knows? that like makes her seem like this really awesome friend. She's like, I'm making the drive right now. I'll make yeah. it in three hours instead of four. And she's yeah. like crazy pregnant. So yeah. it, it like builds lore around this character. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. It's cool in that way. Yeah. Speaking of Min too, Riley in her own movie, her spinoff. Maybe Riley is trans. <laughs> okay, she gives birth to James. What if the baby was okay, James? Okay, what if, what if she lost. had been? What if she had an affair and the baby is James's child? Oh my gosh! There, yeah. Now we're really we're so off topic, but that is like Pull another back. level of uh, maybe Alex Garland isn't so stupid. <laughs> Men to the reckoning. <laughs> James versus James Jr. Oh boy. <laughs> Oh gosh. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> uh, okay, so I, I just kind of this is like a little softball one, but on a scale of one to ten, forbidden fruits. <laughs> you can say dicks. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that the same thing? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, Katya, what do you get this one? One to ten apples. Forbidden yeah. fruits. Forbidden fruit. Oh, forbidden it's fruit. it's classically represented as an apple, but nobody knows. It probably was a pomegranate. Um, well, I feel like the apple industry hates that it's always <laughs> depicted as an apple. Uh, like, God damn it. The same way Corona was probably like when it got called the coronavirus. They're like, yeah. what the fuck? Their sales actually uh, dipped pretty hard. <laughs> I, saw, I read yeah. that there was like a petition to change it to the Bud Light virus. That they had, oh, that yeah. they had like sponsored and stuff. It was pretty funny. Oh, it's kind of, okay, got it. Uh, I'll, I want to say eight, but that's kind of high. But I'll say eight, eight forbidden fruits. Okay. One of them might be a little smaller than the rest. Right, has a bite out of it. Yeah, like a decimal point. Is that what you're implying? <laughs> yeah, like a seven point nine. <laughs> uh, Calvin, what do you think of this one? Um, yeah, so I, I pose to you this question: Do you think it is smart to run out into the street and take a baseball bat and smash a person's head over and over, yelling, "Do you get it? Do you think that's smart?" It could, it's it's might be justified. But do, is it? Do we deserve it as an audience? But do we? It, de- but do we deserve to be? But is it smart? I think that there's many a, times. That's the thing. It's I think like, there's I a situation where it happens. But when I pay to sit down and have that happen to me, that's where I have a problem with it. See, I think of this as yeah, a metaphorical manslaughter of my mind, and I think it's like <laughs> a six. It's like a six point two. Like I get it, man. Like you don't need to like. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Is that too high for you? No, I'm actually, it's higher than I thought you were going to put it. Yeah, it's... You were more critical of anyone I thought of this. Yeah, I know. I mean, there's a third that really saves it. Yeah, so, yeah, I so believe that. So, a, a nine of a third, and then three, and then two threes <laughs> of thirds really averages out, I yeah. think. It's just a strong, it's just a strong first third. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, I felt assaulted, and that's the way that... <laughs> uh, for me, this was just... It was boring visually for a lot of it. It, I don't mind a slow pace to a movie. And I felt like it, it at least was like setting itself up for like a good climax. And I think you got that visually. You didn't really get it in a, a physical or visceral way. It was just 
the chance to view gore in a very strange way. (laughs) And so I think at least the buildup felt like it did something and it happened and it mattered at the end. But I just thought this movie, of the three he's done, I would make this his, it's the worst that he's put out. That's weird because this is definitely the best that he's done. Oh, man. I mean, maybe. That's what I'm saying. It's just like personal preference. Yeah, maybe you go back and watch. It's been eight years since I've seen, seen Ex Machina. Um, but I just remember it being good and not transcendent. Yeah, I watched, so I watched this at like 11. Uh, I watched Men at 11 in theaters. And then I came back home and like immediately put Annihilation on while I was like typing up notes for Men. And then I had enough time before you guys came over. So I threw Ex Machina on and I was watching both of them. I was like, God damn, these are so much better. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But that's fine. Yeah. And I just think it's aesthetic mattered a lot to me in this movie. And I, I just thought it was kind of visually boring and it didn't matter that you had the creepiest scene that he's made out of the three mm-hmm. uh it didn't redeem itself enough to like achieve i thought the heights he had done with ex machina and annihilation again i think it's a fine movie i don't certainly not for everyone i think this is a movie that's really going to hit its stride when it is streaming and it's not going to be a very big theater hit <laughs> yeah i don't judging by the reviews on uh imdb a lot of people are pissed who haven't even seen it how can you be mad about a movie you haven't seen? Exactly, because it's 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 social justice, and it's like, it's all about, um, you know, uh, just leftism and like wanting to stay relevant. Like, oh men, men are gross, and this is the future that liberals see is uh, erasing white men and the jealousy that women have for white men. Well, speaking of comments, we're going to have a little bonus episode where we're going to go through uh, like comments and other reviews and maybe a couple articles that we found on this film because I, I, I think this film is like strange enough that people are going to have some really hot takes on this one. So we're going to read a couple, uh, give our opinion on them. So uh, stay tuned. We're going to have that bonus episode up. Something we haven't done yet. I'm kind of excited to try out. Uh, but with that, uh, Calvin, thanks for being on as always. Oh, thanks for having me. And Katya, thanks for being here. Thank you. And you can find our podcast on any platform like Apple Music or Spotify. We also upload all these to YouTube. So go ahead and leave a comment. Tell us what we're doing well. Tell us what we're doing wrong. And with that, thank you for listening to Now This Is Podcasting.